Hello, my rebels. Today I tell you the scary but not surprising news that Joe Biden is threatening to cancel the Keystone XL pipeline his very first day on the job. I don't know if that's possible given that the pipeline actually crosses the Canada-US border already, but we'll see what comes of it. One thing I'm pretty sure we'll see is Justin Trudeau smiling quietly and Aaron O'Toole being only slightly less useless. That's ahead. Can I invite you to become a subscriber to what we call Rebel News Plus? It's the video version of this podcast. Just go to rebelnews.com and click subscribe. It's eight bucks a month. We use that money to pay all the salaries around here. Rebelnews.com, click subscribe. All right, here's today's podcast. Tonight, Joe Biden's first act as president could be the cancellation of the Keystone XL pipeline. If you doubt that Trudeau is smiling, it's January 18th, and this is the Ezra Levant Show. Why should others go to jail when you're a biggest carbon consumer I know? There's 8,500 customers here, and you won't give them an answer. The only thing I have to say to the government about why I publish it is because it's my bloody right to do so. Look at this. It's a photo of a briefing note for what Joe Biden apparently intends to do on his very first day in office. It's a symbolic day. The whole first week is symbolic, actually. You might recall that when Trump was in his first week, he ripped up the Trans-Pacific Partnership trade deal. He gave the green light to various oil and gas projects, pipelines mainly, including the Keystone XL pipeline. Well, no surprise, Biden is reversing so many signature symbolic Trump initiatives, at least the ones he thinks he can do without Congress's approval. You see, a U.S. president can do a lot of things just through executive orders, and of course they can be undone in the same way. So look at that wording. Inauguration day and four crises. They're telling you that there are four emergencies going on. They want you in a perpetual state of panic and crisis. They want a permanent state of emergency, so they continue operating in an extreme manner that would not otherwise be tolerated by Americans. It's what they're doing up here in Canada, too. So there, there is no climate crisis. And by the left's own measure, the pandemic lockdown has flattened oil and gas use and demand and emissions. But it's a crisis. Never let a crisis go to waste. So look at what is written there. Rejoin the Paris Agreement, of course. Uh, the Democrats love the United Nations and global warming scheme there, most of all. Announced date for U.S.-hosted Leaders Climate Summit. I can't tell you how excited Trudeau must be. He might even shave his beard and put down the bong and have a shower and straighten up before going down. He's got his mojo back. He's outlasted Trump. And third, roll back Trump enviro actions via executive orders, including rescinding Keystone Excel pipeline permit. And why not? Obama killed it with a word. Trump revived it with a word. Now Biden seeks to kill it with a word. That pipeline was first proposed, I think, back in 2008, more than a dozen years ago. I wonder how it's going to work, though, given that the pipe already crosses the border. They built it. They finished that last spring. Here's a video of that moment. 
My name is Samantha Fernandez, and I'm the project manager for the Keystone XL border crossing pipeline. I think it is a huge achievement to have the opportunity to be able to build KXL. The day we crossed the border between US and Canada was a brutally cold day. It was probably nine degrees with 50 mile an hour winds. And it was a monumental time for everybody. It was really exciting time for both Barnard and TC Energy for us to be able to achieve that milestone. It was one of the most significant bores we've ever done in TC Energy's history. So I guess that's one difference between Obama's executive order nixing it and Trump's executive order reviving it. And now it's actually built. What would removing a permit look like? Are you going to ban oil from being put in it and crossing the border? I, I've got to think that a lot of people would reject that. Not just the company that would surely sue under the USMCA trade deal, but the unions building the pipeline and local politicians along the route. Democrat or Republican, the pipeline will be the largest property taxpayer in many of the counties through which it goes. Such a direct attack on U.S. energy independence, um, you know, it benefits OPEC. But then again, after China, the country most excited about Joe Biden winning is surely Iran. They've got lots of oil and they would like to sell it to America instead of Canadian oil going south. Here's the socialist Bernie Sanders celebrating. The Keystone Pipeline is and always has been a disaster. I'm delighted that Joe Biden will cancel the Keystone permit on his first day in office. With all the major crises facing America, we must never lose sight of the most existential threat facing our planet, climate change. Yeah, but they're just going to swap it out for Venezuelan oil. And they're a socialist dictatorship. Yes, yes, that's the point. Bernie Sanders probably prefers all oil uh, from OPEC countries. Major rival Russia, perhaps. As shocking and bizarre as it sounds, Bernie Sanders actually went on his honeymoon to the Soviet Union during the Cold War. I'm not talking about after the fall of the Berlin Wall. It was during the height of the Cold War, Bernie Sanders went to Russia for his honeymoon. He truly loved the Soviet Union. He participated in propaganda films. How about Justin Trudeau? Justin Trudeau claims he supports the pipeline, but I don't believe him. Remember, his right-hand man, Gerald Butts, said it wasn't about this route or that route. It's about getting off oil altogether. Here's Gerald Butts on the Northern Gateway Pipeline. Truth be told, we don't think there ought to be a carbon-based energy industry by the middle of this century. That's our policy in Canada, and it's our policy all over the world. You can choose to fight this fight on locking us into a high-carbon economy for five decades. Um, and I think that's a very reasonable uh, perspective to take. In fact, it's one we do take. Uh, so we don't think that, we think that the oil sands have been expanded too rapidly uh, uh, without a serious plan for environmental remediation in the first place. So that's why we don't think it's up to us to decide whether there should be another, another route for a pipeline. Because um, the real alternative is not an alternative route, it's an alternative economy. Butts and Trudeau killed off Three Canadian pipeline alternatives, Northern Gateway, Energy East, and Trans Mountain. The Keystone XL was the last one. Well, mission accomplished. I've said time and time again, and you're all tired of hearing me say it, uh, you can't make a choice between what's good for the environment and what's good for the economy. Uh, we can't shut down the oil sands tomorrow. Uh, we need to phase them out. We need to manage the transition off of our dependence on fossil fuels. Trudeau hates Alberta, and he hates the West, and he hates oil. Not his own use of oil, but any of it made in Canada. He's fine with the OPEC stuff, as you may know. Trudeau does not 
tax oil from OPEC. It doesn't get dinged with the carbon tax when it arrives here from Saudi Arabia in tanker ships. Only Canadian oil gets taxed that way. But if you think Trudeau is bad, here's Stephen Gilbo, a convicted criminal, convicted of a crime for a Greenpeace stunt. Trudeau appointed him to cabinet. Look at this. The guy's an anti-Keystone XL maniac. He's been opposing the pipeline since 2013. He must be loving it today. So where's the opposition? Aaron O'Toole put out a four-sentence statement on the subject. I checked, and the conservative energy critic uh, didn't have a word to say. Do you know who the conservative energy critic is? If you don't, I'm not going to tell you because I just want you to think about how incredible that is, that you don't know the name of the conservative party's critic for energy, or their environment critic, or health critic, or foreign affairs critic, or defense critic. And um, it's not because you don't follow the news. You probably follow the news more than 99% of people do. It's because the conservative party is hiding, scared of its own shadow. Here's Aaron O'Toole just last month. Conservatives know that protecting our environment is critical. We agree with the goal of reaching net zero by 2050. Let's protect our environment and natural spaces. Pretty sure you can't get to net zero emissions in 29 years, that's where in 2050 is, without shutting down oil and gas and fossil fuels. Um, well, at least the Toronto Star is happy with Aaron O'Toole. Conservatives have ignored the climate crisis at their peril, and party insiders say Aaron O'Toole knows it. <laughs> now, Jason Kenney was the first out of the gates last night with a reply to the CBC and report. They're the ones who broke the report about Joe Biden. It's a good letter from Kenny, very substantive, and it points out that Joe Biden's own climate plan contemplates America using oil for many decades to come. Biden is simply choosing OPEC oil over a NATO ally. I mean, it makes good points. Kenny is gentle with Trudeau in his letter. I think that means Kenny believes Trudeau can still be an ally in this. <laughs> well, you saw those clips of Trudeau and Butts. Do you really think it's going to help? I guess Kenny thinks may as well try. I like the last line in Kenny's letter. He says, should the incoming U.S. administration abrogate the Keystone XL permit, Alberta will work with TC Energy to use all legal avenues available to protect its interest in this project. Hopefully that would work. I, I would have to think a judge looking at a $10 billion project nearly done, already permitted, already crossing the border, and be pretty skeptical about just ripping it up. I, I'd have to think the union workers would have some words about this too to their Democrat allies. But there is nothing that a U.S. president can't do in a situation like this if he's prepared to pay a fine or compensation for what is essentially expropriation. That's really what it would be. Would Biden pay $10 billion or even $20 billion to TC? They're not even called TransCanada anymore. To destroy the pipeline? Sure he would. I mean, they're throwing around trillions of dollars these days to destroy the most iconic oil sands pipeline. Money's no object to these people. Hey, all of you dainty conservatives, the ones who don't like the fact that Donald Trump would sometimes swear and Donald Trump would sometimes say mean things, how do you like your Joe Biden now? Do you miss Trump yet? Profanity and all? And we've just been talking about oil. <laughs> Look at what else is on that leaked memo for the first day. A national mask law. Whole of government racial uh, effort announcement and executive order. Send immigration bill to Congress. They're going to legalize 11 million aliens who will all vote Democrat.
Muslim ban executive order, terminating border wall. It's all coming, but hey, at least Joe Biden won't make any dumb tweets, so at least the anti-Trumpers will have that to hold on to. Stay with us for more. Do they get away with it? Well, that is footage from downtown Toronto this Saturday. A peaceful protest was smashed by Toronto police. Even though I say again, it was peaceful. What a difference between that and the reception that the Black Lives Matter protesters got. You'll see here Toronto police literally taking a knee. As Churchill said about the Hun, as he called them, they're either at your feet or at your throat. Mm. That's what Churchill said. I don't want to be too dramatic, but it seems like just uh, like John Tory's police have the same approach to peaceful protest. David Menzies was there. David, nice to see you. What was it like there this weekend? Well, you know what? My spidey senses were tingling, Ezra, because going back to, I believe it was April 26th, was the first Yahoo Nation lockdown protest. Um, everything has been going, uh, well, far from the police clamping down. We've even seen the police escort the march up the streets, blocking off intersections like they even had a permit or what have you. But that Saturday, my spidey senses were tingling, like I said, because in the morning, the Toronto Police Service issued a tweet. And it basically, I won't read the whole thing, but the key element was participating in large gatherings, including protests, is not just in contravention of these orders, the emergency orders, but also puts attendees and the broader community at risk. And like you said, there was no asterisk in that sentence uh, if it's a racial injustice protest like Black Lives Matter, Afro-Indigenous Rising, it says protest, period. And then John Tory, our illustrious mayor, Ezra, he tweeted out that morning, stay home, full stop. Mm. So I got, I thought something's in the air And I'm so happy to have colleagues that on their own free time, we didn't have one, we didn't have two or three, but we had four cameramen there. I had my little uh, iPhone as well. And we got this exclusive footage. And I say exclusive, Ezra, because... 
the mainstream media, they sat this one out. How could they? How well, is this not a story? Well, if anything, they would be cheering on the oh, yes. violation of civil liberties. I want to play you a clip. There's a lot of things that were visually appalling. An old lady being uh, assaulted, a man with um, disabled legs uh, being pounced on, a lot of people being pounded to the pavement. Um, completely unnecessary. They were not doing anything violent. But perhaps even more terrifying was this statement by police. Take a listen. <laughs> The protest is over and done. <laughs> you know, in a police state, the police do get to say when a protest is, and go, yeah. and cut, yeah. you're done. That's not how it works in a democracy. You're allowed to protest. And in fact, part of protesting, um, perhaps even the main part, is protesting when the authorities don't want you to protest. Otherwise, it's not a protest, it's a cheerleading squad. Absolutely, and uh, I'm happy you mentioned cheerleading because uh, I said that on camera when uh, when they were making that pronouncement, one, one of the officers with a bullhorn said, uh, this is your two-minute warning. And I thought, is this the end of the fourth quarter in an NFL game? What, what like, there's a clock ticking down? No, it was outrageous. And I thought, what happened to, um, you know, just a week ago, Ezra, we premiered our Nathan Phillips Square dossier where we revealed the city was spying on us for covering an illegal, not a protest, an encampment. You know, nobody with the anti-lockdown site erected tents and got cooking stuff out and defecated and urinated on the square, but the people of Afro-Indigenous Rising did. And when I confronted uh, the mayor, maybe we have a clip of that, in November, uh, why he saw us as the, I guess, instigators to violence for just being on the square and was taking a blind eye to the protesters or, or, or the campers who are breaking 11 sections hmm. of the Trespass Act, he said words to the effect that everybody has the right uh, to peacefully protest. Hmm. Well, what happened from November till now? Yeah, here, let's take a look at John Tory. I call him Canada's worst mayor, and I know people <laughs> in Victoria, Calgary, Edmonton, um, you know, and other places will disagree with me, but really, here's uh, John Tory lying through his mask. Hey, Mayor Tory, how you doing? Dave Menzies. Just wondering, why is, why is it illegal to practice journalism in Toronto, in Nathan Phillips Square, yet you can have illegal occupiers occupy the square for three weeks straight? You can have our parks turned over to thugs? Why is that, Mr. Mayor? Well, I don't accept any of your um, assertions about uh, people that are uh, you know, homeless and in need of some support. And I have no idea what you're talking about in terms of people not being able to be journalists in Nathan Phillips Square. It's a square that is open to the people and it's open to journalists and all citizens of the city, and I'm proud of that. Mr. Mayor, you know that your own security force at Nathan Phillips Square in June were trespassing us for the egregious practice of practicing journalism, yet you had a group of violent people called Afro-Indigenous Rising occupying the square. You must know this, Mr. Mayor. They were there for three whole weeks, and they were breaking 11 sections of the Trespass Act, and yet the police and the security were coming after us for covering this. Now, why why is that? I can't speak to how the security people uh, dealt with you. I, I don't direct what they do, uh, but I will say to you that, uh, you know, unlike you who wants to sort of foment confrontation, the 
people left the square peacefully that were there for a period of time. They were engaged in a protest and they left and uh, they went somewhere else. And so to me, that is the way things are supposed to work in the country where people can protest and then they can eventually leave public property. And that's what happened. And I can't speak to what happened to you because I'm totally unfamiliar with it. And uh, But I certainly can't accept your characterization of the people who were engaged in a legitimate protest for a period of time in Nathan Phillips Square. Well, Mayor Tory, I can send you the video footage that we shot. We had over a million views of it. And then when they did leave, they illegally occupied Dufferin Grove Park for several weeks. So are you serious? The police actually said two minute warning. Did they actually say that? I, I, I believe the words were you have two minutes and, and but they kept extending it, you know, because nobody was moving. This was early on uh, as around uh, afternoon, I would say. Normally these protests are from noon till two, but they started cracking down even before the protests, which is why I was I was glad I got there down there about 1120. And, um, you know, I, I just want to make another mention, uh, too, since you're talking about Canada's worst mayor, John Tory. And, well, what a hell of a benchmark that is, given how so many of the other jokers. Um, remember when Rod Phillips, the former finance minister, got caught in St. Bart's, uh, the home, I, I think, according to Condé Nasty, of the best beach in the world. Nothing but the best for Mr. Phillips. And pretended to be doing these fireside chats well, yeah. from his writing. Here's what John Tory said verbatim. I don't know if we have this clip or not, but this is what he said. I think people who know me also know I especially stand by my friends when they make mistakes and when they're in trouble. You have to do that. It's not about the actions. It is about the person. In other words... <laughs> <laughs> hey, if you're a friend of mine, I'll protect you. Yeah. Protect, like, like it's a racket. Here, we, I think we do have that video. Take okay. Comments this morning about Minister Phillips calling it a mistake. Uh, wondering if your personal feelings might be affecting you here. Would you not be really angry to learn that a counselor defied public health advice by yourself and Dr. Davila and just went off on vacation and didn't tell anyone? Uh, Minister Phillips made a mistake, a serious mistake. Uh, he's been chastised by the Premier for that. Uh, he has uh, admitted his own deep regret at making that mistake. I have acknowledged uh, that it was a mistake. It's a very regrettable uh, series of events. But I think uh, people who know me also know that, uh, you know, I especially stand by my friends uh, when they make mistakes and when they're in trouble, uh, because I just think that uh, you have to do that. It's, 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 it's not about the actions, it's about the person. Uh, he's a human being. Uh, and he made a mistake, and he'll pay a price for that. Um, but I think, uh, you know, now it's in the Premier's hands, and uh, he'll, he, he'll deal with it. He and Mr. Phillips will deal with it as they see fit. You know, one of the uh, things that separates a dictatorship from a democracy or a constitutional authority is the rule of law as opposed to the rule of man. You don't, the police don't go up to someone and say, are you a friend of the mayor? Okay, no problem. Yeah. Are you a friend of the mayor? No, you're an enemy of his. All right, handcuffs. Um, it applies to Rod Phillips, it applies to Black Lives Matter or these anti-lockdown protesters. It, I mean, the extreme policing of Adamson Barbecue, who yes. dared to defy the mayor, I think policing is terrible. And I think the worst thing that I saw this Saturday from downtown Toronto was police reaching into the crowd, grabbing people, plucking them out and pummeling them. Here's a little bit of that. <laughs>
That reminds me of the G20 policing a few years back in Toronto, a policing disaster, uh, mass violations of civil liberties, bizarre police tactics of kettling. I think that Toronto is out of control again, and you might have this mild-mannered, bland, vanilla mayor, yeah. but he's, it actually is a deceptive cover. He's an abusive man when it comes to violence. You know, that decision, uh, Ezra, and I saw it all throughout the day when police were determining who they were going to arrest and ticket. And it was so arbitrary. And it wasn't based on them, you know, being called a slur. Uh, it wasn't based on any kind of illegal activity. It was almost reminiscent of me, given who some of the victims were, such as a, a little, literally a little old lady, a grandmother carrying a cross. It was like a herd of lions, you know, in the savannah, and they're mm. looking at the antelope and they go, well, those big bruisers, we can never outrun them. Oh, there's someone that's weak. There's yeah. someone that's old. That's where we'll go. That's what it seemed like yeah. to me. And they were picking out the easiest targets to manhandle. And that's appalling. It yeah. shouldn't be that way. The protest is over and done. Yeah, we, <laughs> we don't, in a free country, you don't take instructions from police about when your protest is over and done. Look at this, they specifically went after this lady yeah. giving a speech. So she was doing nothing different than anyone else other than expressing an opinion that the cops didn't like. Take a look. I do not consent, I am, no, I do not, no. No, if you touch me, it's assault. If you touch me, you are committing assault. You are invite, this is assault. And they went after her equipment too. That's right. That's Kellyanne Wolf. That's right. Of uh, the hugs over mass people. Uh, you know, and, and it's amazing too, uh, Ezra, when the when the sun was setting and the line was moving, so they were forcing them off Young Dundas Square, off the sidewalk, off the road, onto the other side, the west side of Young Street. Um, I was standing on this uh, concrete bench and I was chronicling it. And this was the other goofy thing. I don't know if we caught the audio or not. I think we did. But a, um, an officer was saying, move along. you got to move. And I said, look, I'm not part of the protest. I, I'm media. I'm covering it. And a female officer said, oh, we know who you are. <laughs> and she said this, Ezra. But maybe if you leave, everybody will leave too. Oh. <laughs> like I'm the Pied Piper of Hamlin. I, I wish I had that power. Oh, the Rebel News reporter's gone. May as well go now, boss. Let's get in the subway. I mean, it was crazy. Like I'm supposed to do the, the dirty work. Well, it shows, that, it shows that they have lost the consent of the people. Yeah. One of the principles of modern policing outlined um, by, um, you know, the Bobbies. Like, the, like they're... We, the, named after, um, you know, modern policing, it was never this way centuries ago. Correct. Professional, independent, nonpartisan policing with a light touch, yep. suitable for a civil liberties loving jurisdiction. It was developed in the UK, and the essence of it is you must have the support of the people. You must have them willingly obeying the laws yep. almost all the time so that when force is needed, they are there with you because they agree that something, so you are their hand. And w the anecdote you just told me about the lady cop saying, well, maybe if you told them they'd leave, shows that the police <laughs> have lost the consent of yes. the policed. They have lost the moral authority. And as a backhanded compliment, or a front-handed compliment, they show that you have the moral authority. And I think that that police officer
should think about what she said and think about why it is that people are disrespecting her authority. She's wearing a police uniform. She has a badge. She is a representative of the city, representative of the law, and yet people defy her to her face. Is it because they are criminals? No. Is it because they are naturally violent? No, there was no violence. It's because they no longer feel that she is a police officer of the people for the law. They regard her as a political gang member. And she should think more about that, but I doubt she will. You know, that's an amazing analysis. And uh, you might be uh, right on the nail with that one, Ezra. I just want to go back to your original premise. And it, it's the idea that police... Uh, during the summer when there were the Black Lives Matter protests of far greater numbers, um, were not only not discouraging it or giving tickets, but like you said, they were taking the knee, including the chief of police, which I think led to his resignation. He lost the confidence of his other officers because what is the chief taking a knee for? You're taking a knee against yourself and just yeah. like the prime minister did. When we go out to the likes of a John Tory or a Doug Ford and we ask them, how is that protest uh, approved? It's got the good housekeeping seal of approval on it, but the anti-lockdown protest, this is like a, uh, a gathering of modern-day typhoid Marys. Is it that this Wuhan virus is so super intelligent, it realizes that the protest for racial injustice, um, we, we're not going to infect those people. Ooh, anti-lockdown people. What kind of yahoos are that? Uh, and it'll go after them. If that's the case, then, uh, Ezra, we are dealing with the most super intelligent hmm. virus in the history of mankind, and uh, I think we're doomed. <laughs> well, Occam's Razor says the simplest explanation is often the best explanation. We could be dealing with the smartest virus in the history of viruses, or perhaps Occam's Razor would say a simpler uh, op option is that we're dealing with the dumbest political class in the history of politicians. That, to me, is more likely. David, great to see you. Congratulations well, on your you. courageous work on the streets. I was so proud to see you as well as four other rebel staff out there. We didn't even direct anyone to go. Everyone just knew that was where the news was. Thank you so much. And like I said, Ezra, there was no, no other media outlet there, even though City TV is literally meters away from Young Dundas Square. Folks, if you want to help us, as you know, we provide lawyers, civil liberties lawyers, to anyone who gets a lockdown ticket. If you got a ticket, go to fightthefines.com. If you didn't get a ticket... Go to fightthefinest.com because we crowdfund the, the legal bills and they're getting large, but we'll keep fighting. All right, stay with us. For hey, welcome back. I'm in monologue on Friday. Bruce writes, today Trump, tomorrow the world. I hope these tech censors overplay their hand and other countries block their platforms in favor of their own national ones. You know what? I wouldn't be surprised if India does that. They're a real tech headquarters. Boy, it sure sounds like Mexico wants to do that. Even Germany. Those are all pretty serious places when you get right down to it, especially Germany and India. Um, but Canada, I read in the Globe and Mail today, Canada's going the other way. Canada's hopping on the censorship bandwagon. I'm worried because, I mean, come on. Who do you think they're going to target first? Jerry writes, yes, we've been asleep for too long. It's time to wake up to what's really happening to us. Media has lied to us and big tech has denied us our right to free speech. However, it's our own fault because when we sign up, there's an agreement we are supposed to read before we become a member. You're talking about the terms of service. I'd say a few things about that. First of all, uh, if a company is going to be immune from lawsuits under a U.S. law called 
the Communications Decency Act, they can't act like a publisher. The whole reason why people don't sue Twitter, Google, YouTube every day is because of Section 230 of the Communications Decency Act, which says that web companies are treated like bulletin boards where anyone can put something on it. So if there's something really mean on the bulletin board, you can't sue the bulletin board itself. Sort of like if someone's talking on a pay phone, you can't sue the pay phone company for what the person says if you're a neutral platform. But I put it to you that the way these tech companies are operating, they're not neutral platforms, and thus they can be held liable. I'll probably tell you this story tomorrow, but there's a major lawsuit against Twitter that succeeded in its first round in BC just last week. So I'll tell you more about that. Paul writes, Big tech will be seen as a security issue in any country, as well as their own globalist masters. They are the ultimate useful idiots. Useful idiots are seen as potential counter-revolutionaries by the people they put in power. Yeah, well, I mean, look, Russia has its own version of Facebook called VK, I think. China obviously bans Western uh, apps and has their own versions. TikTok came, uh, well, it is from there. I would rather have 200 different social media apps to choose from rather than three or four controlled by the same clique in Silicon Valley. Um, I think we need competition. And I think it's being abusive, it's this monopoly. And I think we need a trust bust like uh, Teddy Roosevelt did to the big uh, oil companies. Trouble is, I think Joe Biden loves the oligarchs because they're on his side. Anyways, big days ahead. Until tomorrow, on behalf of all of us here at Rebel World Headquarters to you at home, good night. Keep fighting for freedom.